Hi, I'm Dr. Thomas McGinn, the Executive Vice President for the Physician Enterprise here at Common Spirit Health. Today is Monday, March 7th, and welcome to the five-minute check-in. We have a lot to cover. We're going to discuss Omicron across the United States and here at Common Spirit Health. We're going to look at a few new publications, a couple related to pregnancy and COVID, and one related to convalescent plasma on the acute care of COVID patients. We have a guest with us today, Dr. George Hutton from the Baylor College of Medicine, to talk about a new publication on Epstein-Barr virus and multiple sclerosis. It also just happens to be MS Awareness Week, so it seems like the right thing to talk about. And finally, we're going to do some recognition awards for Common Spirit Health. But before we get started, I'd like to take a moment and pause and remember the life of Dr. Paul Farmer, who we lost just a couple of weeks ago. Dr. Farmer was a role model to me, and I know and to many of you out there. He dedicated his life to serving some of the most underserved communities across the globe, and in many ways was one of the founding fathers of the concepts of social determinants of health. In the link in this email is a podcast interview with Dr. Farmer and some of his colleagues. So thank you, Dr. Farmer, for all the amazing work and being a role model to all of us. And our thoughts and prayers go out to your family. So let's talk about Omicron. So the story for Omicron across the United States is consistent over the last few times we've spoken, down in total number of cases, down in hospitalizations, and down in mortality. I really focus on hospitalizations as most dependable number, and that number is down 30%. Now, the good news is that CDC has pivoted in terms of how they want to think and talk about COVID, and this is something I feel strongly about. They really focus on the prevalence in specific communities and make recommendations based on that prevalence. It's a simple algorithm, as you can see here, low, medium, and high, and recommendations depending on what that is in specific counties. You can put your state, your county, find out what your level is, and then follow the recommendations. All of us as providers need to be comfortable with this site and have conversations with our patients about it. So now some recent publications related to COVID. What we're seeing now is a trend towards more and more meta-analyses or summaries of the research that was performed during this crisis. Two articles were published related to pregnancy and COVID. The first article in JAMA, February 7th, demonstrated that women who were pregnant and had COVID were at much higher risk for mortality and morbidity during delivery. The second article that was published in JAMA Pediatrics demonstrated the safety of the vaccine during pregnancy for both the mom and the baby. So these two articles together demonstrate very clearly that we need to continue to reassure our patients that this vaccine is safe during pregnancy, and number two, it saves lives. Another meta-analysis was performed looking at convalescent plasma as a treatment for acute COVID while in the hospital. This is something I was very involved in early on in the pandemic and quite frankly, did not have much faith that it was really improving our patients' care. This meta-analysis demonstrates that very clearly in randomized controlled trials demonstrated no benefit of convalescent plasma in the acute care of COVID cases. And now we're going to go over to our guest speaker, Dr. George Hutton, a professor of neurology at the Baylor College of Medicine. So let's talk to our guest today, who is Dr. George Hutton, who's a professor of neurology and the Linda and John Geffen Endowed Professor in Multiple Sclerosis at the Baylor College of Medicine. So great of you join us and make some time um, and give us some insights into this new publication. So 
came out a lot of uh, a lot of media around this Epstein-Barr virus and multiple sclerosis. Can you tell us a little bit about the publication and maybe the design and how does it fit in some general context of prior publication? Yeah, thanks, Dr. McGinn. Yeah, so a very interesting paper that sought to answer the question about the causation of multiple sclerosis, in particular, what role Epstein-Barr virus may play. And as I point out, you can really look back at the studies over the last few decades and see if there is a relationship, but causation had not yet been proven. And they took upon themselves to look at the serum repository from the Department of Defense. There's this unique mm-hmm. opportunity of young people who have blood that's given as they enter active military service. And over 10 million individuals' uh, blood is available with over 62 million samples. And then they identified a group of people who developed MS during the course of a 20-year follow-up, 1993 to 2013, 955 individuals developed MS. Now take those serum samples and say, what, which of those patients, which of those people uh, were EBV negative at baseline uh, versus EBV positive? And about 95% were EBV positive. Mm. But you can take the group who's negative and say, what happens over time? Do they convert to EBV uh, prior to MS onset? So a very unique opportunity, kind of a natural experiment to look at uh, seroconversion in relation to mm. development of MS. That's like, it's a massive study. I mean, it really, I mean, I think about that, it's ginormous. It, it's just a huge database and, and very impressive that they could have all those samples available. So. Yeah, so they had 801 individuals who they had samples available that were people who developed MS. Only 35 were negative for EBV at baseline, uh, which is about the expected uh, 4% or so. Uh, however, if you look at those individuals, 34 of 35 developed EBV during the period of follow-up. Uh, meaning to say only one individual ultimately went on to have MS while still EBV negative. So the hazard ratio for that event is 26.5. So 26.5 times more likely to develop MS if they converted. Uh, the other that's fact- quite, That's a big number, just so everybody knows. Oh, that's huge, big. huge. That's, yeah. And the other fact is if you look at, you know, they try to say, okay, is this just a, you know, a viral trigger altogether and look at CMV as sort of a control because CMV is another- uh, prevalent uh, diagnosis, prevalent disease. And indeed, if you look at CMV, we don't see any difference between converters and non-converters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not just a viral risk in general, it's truly due to EBV. So, so uh, you know, very well done study, very large data set, very impressive numbers. So you as an expert who's been living and breathing this your entire career, do you feel this has really settled the story of causality or what, what do you think? And maybe a quick mention of implications either for folks like you or patients going forward. Yeah. So very important uh, in regards to causation, right? So looking back and saying, you know, what are the causes of MS? And we've always talked about a viral trigger. Now we've got very good evidence of a specific viral trigger. What does it mean day to day for our already diagnosed patients right now? Not a lot, right? So right now there's not an indication for the already diagnosed patient. There is some thoughts out there that we might find in the future with further studies uh, variance in EBV positivity in relation to relapse or other clinical markers that might lead to some concepts of antiviral therapies at some part during the course. But right now, it's not something that's going to help us for the already diagnosed patients. Uh, it does bring to mind the question of EBV vaccination right. uh, and, and whether if you could vaccinate against EBV and prevent the disease in a large majority, uh, that is EBV, could you also then prevent MS in a majority of patients? 
so def definitely leads to that coverage. So it seems to be that would be the big challenge this puts in front of us is does a vaccine make sense in terms of right. EBV yeah. and moving forward? Well, thank you, Dr. Hutton, for joining us. Uh, I know we could spend a lot of time talking about this. As a matter of fact, we're going to spend more time talking about this in April when you join us for our grand rounds covering all of multiple sclerosis, not just this article. So we're excited uh, for you to join us then. And, and again, thanks, thanks for coming in and, and giving us uh, the context for this publication. Thank you. And finally, we want to recognize some of the amazing work going on in our divisions. First up is a congratulations to the team in North Dakota for receiving a $550,000 grant to expand their total health roadmap. This is a program that is focused on addressing social factors of health in North Dakota, including Devil's Lake. Through the grant, they will bring community health workers into Common Spirit facilities across the state, building connections between patients and non-medical services in their communities. So congratulations, North Dakota. And finally, CHI St. Joseph Health Partners has earned a place on the best places to work in Kentucky list. That's an amazing accomplishment given all of the hard work and stress this pandemic has challenged us with. So congratulations to St. Joseph Health Partners. Well, thank you for joining me for the five minute check-in, which I know is a little bit more than five minutes, but I'll see you all in two weeks at our next check-in.